Podcast is about taking media action. Find the problem, fix the problem. This is your opportunity. It's either a hell yes or a fuck no. It's that simple. <laughs> now is the time to take action. Now is the time to do more and be more. All right, on that note, welcome to the Tango One Podcast, episode number six. I'm Tony Smith. I'm a retired cop, tactics team leader, and the founder of the Garage Gym and the owner of Tango One Solutions. I'm joined here by my friend, fireman, garage gym team member, amateur stuntman, Casey Wright, and our mission is to challenge you and guide you to create an immediate action plan against your problems and your weaknesses. Simply put, we want you to do more and be more. Today, our guest, Bobby, the workhorse <laughs> tram. You looking forward to this? I'm um, Bobby. He's uh, the owner and coach, obviously, at CrossFit Workhorse Lifestyle. He's a CrossFit affiliate, a Lulu ambassador, a fitness enthusiast, a strength pe- preacher, a family man, and uh, he does refer to himself as a subpar CrossFitter, <laughs> but I, the only CrossFitter I know, uh, the best CrossFitter I know, I guess, not the only CrossFitter I know in person, so uh, I think he's kind of like being a little modest there. Uh, and you research. Know, yeah, dude, I've been reading up on you. So, uh, and you know what, man, like... From uh, being a cop and meeting you like so many years ago, I've kind of watched you grow from just like a, like I feel like you looked like you were a teenager that day I came in there. Now with your shape base a little bit, grow from a business owner to like your own little brand, and now like seeing you step up lately like through the charity events and through what's going on in the community as like a real community leader. So uh, you know that's why I really wanted to sit down and chat with you today and hopefully get some insight to uh, help everybody yeah, to kind of grow. I a little appreciate bit. you guys having me. I've. Uh, I know it's been a while. I haven't been here. This is my first time, so we might as well crack it open with the podcast. Uh, I think it it would be funny if you told people how we actually first met. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Casey knows this story. Yeah, no. So the the first time Bobby and I come across each other, I had booked a. Uh, I've known uh, Danielle McKinley, who was uh, John Max partner at all levels since we were little kids, and she had arranged for us to come and meet uh, a couple of tack guys and I to come in and meet her for a workout. Well, that time, all levels and, like you guys were also brand new. We, and we workhorse. opened up, I think, five days apart. And we were about five minutes away from each other. At that yeah, point. so we just showed up at this CrossFit gym and he's like, I'm like, hey, is Danielle here? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh, uh, we're well, here no, to work out. So what happened was he, he shows up and I think you're with- um, McDougal. Jim's, Jim's brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So these two guys show up and they show up in like the middle of class. So I'm like, all right, these guys are late. Maybe they're, they're waiting for the next class. So I go over to Tony. I'm like, you guys join in on the next one? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for my friend. So I'm like, okay, who are you waiting for? So I'm waiting for Danielle. And at the time, we actually had a client named Danielle. So okay. I was like, all right, cool. Maybe she's coming to the next class. Next class rolls over. They're still just like sitting in the corner with their <laughs> duffel bags. I'm like, what the fuck are these guys doing? So I come back over. I'm like, are you guys joining the class or what? And they're like, no, we just, we got to wait for Danielle. I'm like, okay, who, which Danielle? Like, what's your last name? And Tony said her last name. I'm like, we don't have a member here by that last name. And I think he said something like, yeah, yeah, no, she owns the place. 
And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, she's a part owner. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know where you think you're at, but like, I own this place. And there was, there was this huge confusion. And then we realized that like all levels had just opened up down the street and he was at the wrong CrossFit box. And he was already like way too late for the meeting that he was supposed to have with Danielle anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, you guys just want to stay. You guys want to stay and do a workout? Like, I'll, I'll do a, a session with you guys. So it was just him and McDougal. And they're like, yeah, we'll stay and we'll work out. And I remember when you guys changed, you had, uh, it must have been the tack emblem on your shirt. Uh, it was like a skull and I don't know what it was. But <laughs> I was like, these guys must be like rec hockey or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so come like, all the way here to rip on. So you. I was like, so I'm like, Tony, I'm like, what do you, I'm like, what do you guys do? Are you guys part of like a hockey league or something? He's like, no, like we're, we're SWAT. And I remember I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Bite your tongue on that one. So at that point, I'm like, well, these guys have probably been through some shit. Like, let's put them through, let's put them through workout. And I, I wish I remembered the workout that I put you guys through. I don't remember it, but um, that was the first time I met Tony. And the second time, if you remember, we were selling um, T-shirts on Canada Day. So we have, like, this T-shirt that says, I rep the True North Strong and Free. It's it. It it one of our best sellers. So... I'm, at this point, it's my first year being open, and in between classes, I used to close the door and lock it, right? Because I used to take a nap in between classes. <laughs> and I hear this banging at the door, and I'm like, who the hell? Like, I'm trying to take a nap before the next class. I open it up, and it's Tony in full gear, and one of the guys I was with, you must have been like seven feet tall. Like, this guy is the guy <laughs> that you call on to like, break the door down. But I'm like, what do you guys, what do you guys want? He's like, you want to buy a t-shirt? Like, do, do you have to bring the SWAT team and like the van? But that was the second time. And then I remember getting that phone call from you and you're saying like, hey man, like I want to, I want to open up my own gym. And I still remember that conversation that we had and like, lo and behold, what, eight years later? Yeah, probably like roughly here, that, here, like here six, are, seven man. years. Cheers to that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So like, that's where I would like to go today is like how like growth, like, like at that time when I walked in there, I feel like you didn't have much stuff, oh, like especially oh. in terms of like you've moved buildings and it's like massive and beautiful now. And I know you improved that other place a lot too. But like, you know, like so we want to cover like hard work, some of the obstacles you've overcome through business and personal life. Uh, you're big on passion, which is another reason I wanted to have you on here. That's a big thing with us and so is community and culture. So I want to hit on all those things today. So let's start with like the workhorse. So I know for us, the garage gym, it really represents our roofs coming from our house, our rooms, coming from our house, our roots. And then Tangle One is kind of how I came through that, that team. Yeah. And uh, so the workhorse, like, tell me all about that. How does it come? It's like, you know, reading up a little bit on some of the transact or the back and forth you and I have coming into this, you were talking about your parents. And yeah. I assume like that's kind of where that name's coming from. Well, our, it's funny, our actual, the, the workhorse name was given to us by a complete stranger. Really? So we were, um, so I, before I became a CrossFit affiliate, I used to work for the University of Windsor for five years. And when I first started, the bulk of my clientele um, was mostly personal training clients uh, in the era of bodybuilding when it was still very popular. So most of the things that I was doing was mostly aesthetics, uh, some nutrition-based stuff, but like CrossFit and functional fitness hadn't really made its way into the scene yet. And... I remember my manager at the time was getting bogged down with a lot of clients himself, so he gave me one of his group classes to train. Kind of like a boot camp. Um, we coined it as athletic circuit training is what it was back back in those days. 
And that's kind of where I started my, my following. So I took this group of like six or seven individuals who had all signed up randomly as a campus rec course at the U and uh, that became my baby. And from that class, we grew from six or seven people to 40 or 50 individuals over the course of two years. Um, and we just used to just do workouts that weren't traditional, right? Like when you went to the gym back then, you either stepped into the weight room, lifted some dumbbells, jumped on the machines, or you were upstairs doing cardio on a treadmill. There wasn't a lot of mixing and matching like you see people like us do it right now, you know? So we were experimenting with a lot of different workouts and um, I remember on this day, we were outside using the track. The, the university had just put out that beautiful track. Um, they just finished it, so we had our first workout on it. And it was a combination of just some stupid shit. We were running the stairs, running the track, burpees, push-ups, whatever on the turf. Um, and I remember in the middle of it, this guy was walking his dog by and he stopped and he was looking at me. He's like, hey man, he's like, I just wanna, I don't wanna interrupt you, but like, I just wanna know, like, what are you guys training for? I remember looking at him, I thought like, we're not training for anything. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? And like, we're, we're just working out. He's like, you have all these people running around, busting their ass, and you're not training for anything? I remember at that point, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, that's right, <laughs> I'm killing these people for no reason. And I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're, these guys just like to work out. They just like to work hard. And he looked at me, he goes, oh, fuck, like, you guys are fucking workhorses. And then he walked away. And I'm like, I like that. And that was and it. And ever since then, we just, we just coined that term and we just kept it. And so when I incorporated as a, as a business, we took on that workhorse name and it's been part of it ever since. Wow, that's hilarious. I that was, yeah, that's amazing. And I think a lot of those um, boot camp classes you started at the university have progressed a lot. Like when I was at the university, starting in 2012, throughout my five years at university, more and more of those boot class camp or uh, boot camp classes started being yeah. more prevalent, like downstairs in the dungeon, yeah. down in the duddy. Like people are starting to do more and more of that, and so obviously you starting that really bumped that idea up for people who aren't directly in athletics, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is that kind of team atmosphere in a non-team setting, right? Yeah, I mean, a bulk of our clients. Um at the beginning and even now, it, it was retired varsity athletes, right? So you yourself know, like, when you spend four or five years or even before that in high school and grade school, all you know is training and training specifically for a sport. And you have that aura of, like, competition that runs through your veins, right? Like, you always have a game coming up on the weekend. You're always practicing with your buddies. That, that sense of community and brotherhood and that camaraderie, like, people miss that. You know, when people retire from sports, a lot of athletes go through a phase where they don't they don't know what the hell they're doing. One hundred percent. Like I think what I like to say, our gym does and your gym like side by side are very similar in that because I felt that when football was over after my fifth year, you go through those those months of like I used to wake up every day at four thirty and head to the gym with my team and we bust our ass, you know, five, six days a week. Yeah. We're practicing two, three times a week during season, you're meeting every day, you're running through practice, and now all of that is is gone. And so finding, I know when I started here, finding that sense of like, you don't have to be on a football team to be pushed by 40 people in a weight room to kind of find that identity again. So it's pretty, uh, 
I completely I mean, understand. Just, just being around that culture too, right? Like the people around you don't necessarily need to be going to the CFL, but if you've got people pushing and just trying to get better, you know, that environment puts you in that setting again. And I think CrossFit and, and what you guys do, there's always uh, this idea of progression, which is what athletes need, especially when you're done your career, you know, you want something to look forward to and you want something to compete against, even if it is just yourself. Yeah, I think athletes and even like, you know, like moms off the couch, they just seen that that extra little drive to do something better than they did yesterday. Like when you see somebody, they don't, and that have, like, you know, a PR is a PR for people. Yeah. It was hard to realize at first, but like, you know, your 500 pound PR is just as good as the 100 pound PR for somebody. And like to watch how they feel after that is like really like yeah. motivating. And that pushes you just as much. Like I've worked out with my meathead friends and you're driving each other through a workout. But I've also worked out with, you know, that 45-year-old mama three. Thought you were going to call me 45. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But that that 45, <laughs> that 45-year-old soccer mama three, if she's busting her ass, even though the weights aren't the same, it's that exact same drive that you feed off of. Because it's like, well, if she's if she's going through this, I can't quit because I'm supposed to be this exactly. this younger athlete. I'm so sure, it's just like, I'm sure it's the same have. drive have clients here that you know come up to your mind right away when you think of like people that whatever age they are are doing things that other people at their age should not be doing or cannot be doing yes which is Definitely. a huge motivator for yes. me i look at some of the people at our gym and i'm like i want to be just like maureen when i'm when i get to that age you know yeah. i want to be able to do pull-ups and I, I i think of people like josie i'm like i want my back to look like goddamn anatomy chart when i'm that age you know what i mean yeah so it's it is motivating to be around people that want to get after it um, whether they are competitive or not yeah i said to Ramo the other night Ramo's a he's a bank manager he's high up at the bank he's a great guy i don't Ramo's, you know 45 to 50 somewhere in there and i said to him i'm like hey we're like nobody else your age is doing this shit right now and like i think some people took it as an insult but it was like the greatest compliment yeah. like man like nobody you're like in the one percent like I, I tell people to hear that all the time like you're the one yeah. percent yeah. most people are sitting on the couch or they're getting up and they're eating their cheerios and watching cartoons or barely making it out the door because they're too lazy to get up and get some movement in so i thought for sure the workhorse was coming from like your parents because i remember no, one of the another time that i dropped into your gym in uniform <laughs> you had just moved and you told me about the story about your dad uh chipping away at the little yeah. pieces so they had turf like us and yeah. his dad chipped away and chipped away at this thing until it came up like taking them days yeah. and you were talking about your parents work ethic so that's where i thought it was coming from so let's talk about that like you got a lot of your great and like you've worked hard man to get to where you are and to have yeah. success and let's talk about how that came about yeah, i mean my my mom and dad have always been um good examples of hard work you know my mom and dad my dad dropped out of school when he was in grade six and started labor and work right away back in Vietnam. Yeah, seriously doesn't have a diploma in anything um my mom didn't finish high school didn't go on to post-secondary and so they both have just been doing labor work ever since i was young you know my dad went from like picking tomatoes in leamington to working in the factories and when the big three had finally gone down he took a pay cut to retire um, he had already amassed like 40 years of just labor work. Wow. And a anyone that's like shares a similar culture as mine, they know that like old school parents like mine, they don't like to pay interest on anything. So when you <laughs> buy something, you know, when you buy something, you pay it in full, you know, and if you don't have the money to buy it three times, you don't buy it. That was always the rule when I was a kid. 
and you know the whole story with the turf thing so when we we were at our old spot uh, we had invested in some turf and at that time I didn't think we were going anywhere so I told these guys like you guys can glue it right down on the floor like I'm not going anywhere I'm gonna be here for the rest of my life lo and behold we decided we wanted to get up and move after a contract was done I called these guys up and I was like, hey, what are the odds that you guys have some kind of chemical that can get rid of this adhesive? They're like, not a chance, dude. Like, that, thing, <laughs> that thing is stuck there. Like, if you try and pry it off, it's going to rip. It's going to fall apart. So I'm like, fuck. So we, I, in my mind, I'm like, we're going to part ways. We paid like, fuck, I don't even know, 20, 20 grand, 22 grand for that turf. Um, but at that point, I was like, well, it's not coming with us and I don't want to stay here. So we're going to call it a wash. My dad was like, no. No, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't we'll, do we'll that. Chip, we'll, we'll chip <laughs> the concrete. We'll and so this, the, the turf is kind of like what you guys have now. The turf was separated into a different room. And the main room is where, like, uh, myself and all the coaches, we were moving the mats, moving the equipment. We weren't really going into the other room because we knew, like, that turf's not going anywhere. And so we had moved most of our stuff into the new building. And... Uh, I'm wondering, I'm like, where the hell is my dad? Like, why isn't he, why isn't he here helping us move all this shit, right? And I called my mom, like, mom, like, where's dad? Like, tell him to get his ass out of here. Like, we need help with all these fucking mats. My hands are fucking bleeding. Like, tell him to get his ass over here. And she's like, he's at the gym. Like, I'm looking around, like, he's not here. She's like, yeah, he's, he's taking apart the turf. Like, so I go back over to the old gym. I go to that side, and he's there with, uh, with a crowbar, a little hammer, and it's just <laughs> chipping away real slow like just the slowest most monotonous like little meticulous movements that you could possibly do so he's chipping away it's like his face is just filled with sweat he's no shirt on he's just like dying and he's just chipping away he's got like five yards pulled up we had like 25 in the room my dad like what are you doing he's like i got the turf he said look i got the turf and i'm looking <laughs> at it and it's clean like he got this thing down to the glue right and my dad like you're gonna kill your back, like you you don't move very well as it is. Like let me let me help you. So he takes a break and he goes into the other room and now I'm trying to chip away at this thing. And like two minutes in, I'm fucking dying. I'm like, how the hell was he doing this for the last five yards? Um, so I start helping him out and I'm like, man, this is like this is impossible. This is like child labor. <laughs> and yeah, lo and behold, man, like a couple hours later, he finished the entire thing. We rolled it up and. Brought it to the other side. We saved it. We saved me twenty plus twenty grand. And uh, dad strength, man. Dad yeah, strength. He's just. When are we gonna get it, though? Hey, Bobby. When uh, are we gonna I'm get still it? Waiting, man. I'm still <laughs> That's a, such a perception thing, though, because like, waiting. even if it takes twenty hours, right? When you look at it, the investment of it, it's like yeah. it's a thousand bucks an hour. That's <laughs> you know thing. to chip that thing up, and, and it's said, like, like if you have that mindset. Yeah. So, you know, part part of that uh, when I when I look at you know what my parents have done for me. Um, examples like that really shine because he didn't have to do that. You know, that was my money that I threw away. He could have easily said, like, you're stupid, you made a mistake, you invested in something that you didn't think twice about. Um, but here we are, you know? Did, did you glue it in your new spot? So we had put it down in our new spot. We didn't glue it because I, I was afraid of something <laughs> like that happening. Um, and just last year, I think we, we removed the turf altogether. Uh, we just needed more space. It wasn't really, wasn't really functional for what we were doing. When I was at the old space, we were working with a lot of clients that were athletes and, and needed an area to sprint and do agility workouts and things like that. 
but as our business model evolved, we kind of got away from taking on athletes all the time. So the turf at our new space was more or less like a resting area. So when you were done your workout and you want to go roll out, cool down. Just it collapse. That's what ours was for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. Now it's yeah. back to being active yeah. again. So we just, you know, I was like, you know what? We have more people here that want to throw barbells around and, and, and do that kind of stuff. So we got rid of the turf and just expanded a little bit more. Nice. All right, so let's get a little more serious. So you talked about your your parents and your dad or your mother and father Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that coming from an obvious, incredible, like the workhorses, maybe the originals <laughs> without even knowing it. But let's talk about that. So like your growth into the you know with everything going on in the world right now. If you guys are getting this later, this is filmed the week of you know the the riots that are going on in the states and the protests going on across Canada. Was like being a minority every issue for you? Like, did, was that an obstacle for you? Obviously, it's uh, you know, it's part of your life. But was it ever an obstacle for you? Um, in terms of business or in terms of just you know what? Just out? like in general, like however you want to answer that question. Just like that. I think just think, I was I was sitting in a room the other day, and you know, like I I feel like, it in our, in our own ignorance, like a lot of times. I, I know hung, I grew up with uh, my best buddy was Filipino and I, yeah. I just never saw him as minority maybe that's a good thing yeah. but maybe I also didn't realize the things that he was you know we always just consider black as the yeah. minority I guess but like you yeah. don't consider that so like just hearing that from your side yeah. of things and maybe I mean, it's funny because we I had a, a conversation with my wife um, just yesterday actually and we were talking about it and she was she was we were talking about you know experiencing racism you know growing up and and she had looked at me, she said, like, I'm so glad it never happened to you. And I was like, what do you mean? She's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm so glad that you didn't have to experience racism. And I was like, why do you say that? And she's like, have you? And I was like, yeah, all the time. And she was just surprised because I had never really talked about it, or I didn't really say anything considering, like, the times, right? But she was just, it, it blew her away that anyone could use racial slurs against me or, or use what I look like uh, as something that would be a disadvantage for me, you know? And so I told her a story um, when I was back in, uh, this would have been first year university, I was helping a friend uh, train and he was getting prepared for like uh, his first amateur fight. And we used to go to his house all the time and flip tires and push the ATVs around, right? And every time I went to his house, we always worked out outside and I always worked out in the garage with him. I'd never been inside his house before. So I remember after a session, we had worked out together. I went into his house, he's like, man, you thirsty? Like, let's go in the kitchen and grab a drink. And so my hands from flipping the tire were just so dirty. And I didn't want to touch stuff in his house. I didn't want to get anything dirty. So I went into the kitchen and I was, I was washing my hands and I, you know, soaping my hands, washing them nice and clean. And I went to go grab the, the dish towel and I was wiping my hands off and I put it down. And I heard his mom in the background, just kind of muttered to herself like, oh man, that, that, that chink used my, my dish towel, got it all dirty. And I remember at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm not the same as the rest of the people in this house. You know, and it was like at that moment, up until that point, I was like experiencing racism on that front where you don't feel equal to the people around you, not because of skill set, not because of intelligence, but merely just because of the way that you look, that I couldn't use the same dish towel to, to dry my hands, you know what I mean? 
that, that was one of the times that really stuck out to me because uh, my friend and I were so close and he was a good buddy of mine, he still is to this day, but you have, you know, old ways of thinking that are hard to change. And I think those little, those little subtle racist remarks are where the problem continues to grow. You know, yeah. obviously the, the death of George Floyd um, erupted something that's been sitting dormant for a really, really long time. But it's those little subtle things that get by, that continue to keep people thinking like, it's okay to talk like this, or it's okay to think in this, this way. You know, and I, and for me, myself, like my parents and my grandparents and growing up in Asian culture, they're, they're fucking racist too, you know? Yeah. Everyone carries a little, a little bit of racism some, some, some way, somehow in their culture. And, you know, think about me come growing up, bringing my first white girlfriend into the picture when everyone else is, is Vietnamese or at least Asian, you know, that was a huge barrier. And... And obviously when I broke up with her and then I bring Ash home and now it's like not only are you bringing home a white woman, now you're bringing home a divorcee with a child and then it's like now i got all these other fucking barriers. And American, right? And American <laughs> on top of that. And not just American, but like Southern, you know? So, I mean, in terms of my life, dealing with, with culture clashes and things like that, I would say that would be the, the tip of the iceberg. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Like I grew up um, I grew up on the west end of Windsor, so a lot of diversity in the area that I grew up with. Oh yeah, that's my that's my stomping yeah, grounds from the exactly. police station, so, and uh, you know I loved working. I loved working the west end, man, and, yeah. and maybe because of that, you're just yeah. so exposed to different cultures. It's crazy, but like coming back to that just a little bit, like we found ourselves in a meeting the other day, and we, uh, part of the, the crew had mentioned like asian background and said you know like even when you guys like make jokes about driving because we're all like real tight and like yeah. you know that joke gets thrown out there and it was like man i never like i, I didn't mean it in it but i understand yeah like i kind of understand what he meant like more so that impacted me more so than like i couldn't yeah. i was like i was upset like i was hurt i'm like oh my god like yeah that actually hurt his feelings like and like that is one thing i'm working on huge is to like check myself and i know we not three generations but it is i'm like 40s 30s 20s and I hope it just keeps getting better. Really important to me. Like I'm not gonna. My kids are not gonna hear me make a joke like that. Like that is like from this day forward, whether it's innocent, it's still it's still a jab, man. And it's yeah. not like we're making fun of your bench press. Like that's different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Don't do that either. That's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still against the vibe. But I think your bench press is fine, probably. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it's hard, man, because like we've all caught ourselves in that situation where you make. You make jokes with your friends, right? Like I've got, I've got friends of all colors, and and we've made jokes back and forth, and it, it's tough because when the intention you know isn't meant to be ill willed, it's it's easier to let it pass, you know. But when all of those different situations, when those comments are made and they do pass, it becomes cultural norm, and then it becomes like okay to make those comments, you know. It's like I don't know, it's it's tough. Um, I have a great group of friends and we've, you know, we've harassed each other multiple times and, you know, we, we joke about it and we make fun of each other and even growing up with my cousins, like making fun of each other is almost a way of like showing someone that you're, yeah. you love them, right? Um, it's like that big brother syndrome. You just pick on them and you tease them to make them stronger. But what is he talking about? I don't know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, you know? no, <laughs> yeah. But, 
I don't know. It, it's a tough. It's a tough uh, position, and like you said, like some maybe sometimes we we let some of this stuff slide too much um, because we say you know well this person's old school, or we say this person doesn't know better. And I think it's it's our responsibility to actually maybe stop them and say like hey, this is how it should be, and this is why it's wrong for you to say X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know? But I think that's where the conversation starts because. I posted the other day, like posting a black square on your Instagram, you know, is is not doing anything to help the situation. You know, even for us, deciding to do this fundraiser, you know, like it it doesn't fix the situation. The situation is going to be fixed over the next 20 years, but it's only going to be fixed if people take things like you said. You start, everyone just starts checking themselves. Yeah, you say something here. and you know it, it doesn't come out right or it doesn't feel right. You gotta start checking yourself. And if people around you are doing the same thing, you have to stand up and and say something about it. And I I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, man. And if you make a mistake, you know if. If I said something, one, like I think that conversation has to go two ways too, the, the tough conversation. If I said something today in this interview or us hanging out and it offended you in any kind of way, make me aware because I might not be, right? And then also if I like, you know, went home today and it's like, oh man, what did I say there? Like I should take that, that extra minute, yeah. reach out to you and say like, hey man, listen, yeah. this, is, this is what I said and own it and like, can we move on? And like, I think that's where that breakdown right. has to start. I think you're right. The person that is on the receiving end should say something as well. Yeah. So I think oftentimes we, you know, like for myself, growing up, I was around all white people. Um, in my in my graduating class, I think I was one of like two Asian kids. So all my best friends are all white. Uh, going into high school, all my best friends were white. Uh, the people I hung out with, all the circles I hung out with, predominantly white. And so if comments were ever made, I myself would probably not want to say anything. I don't want to set, upset the other people around me, you know, and part of that is my responsibility to actually say something. Maybe if I had said something back then, it wouldn't have turned out to be something so big in the end, you know? So I think you're right. It, it, it's the responsibility of, of both parties. You know, if I don't like something, I should stand up and say something as well. No, 100%. I agree with that. Because sometimes it's like you're naive to what you are saying, right? And like you say, if you have friends of different cultures they might take a may, might not take offense to something right but now you're in public and it's people you don't know if you didn't know that what you're talking about was offensive to because it was around your friends yeah. who it doesn't bother and you say you know or say or do anything you're, you're hurting people and it and it is obviously making a, a huge impact and those little things as being aware of it and being able to check yourself and being honest with what you are doing and saying is going to be that difference is making that change and and hopefully moving forward that's that's exactly what everyone starts to do yeah, awesome man awesome. it's a good conversation conversations that more people like us if we're going to consider ourselves leaders need to start having so let's let's make that like a kind of commit to each other to get that done and uh let's work together to do that like you know we're, we're coming together this weekend we've come together before and we can do more i think to impact this uh this whole community so let's Let's talk about your family, but in a different way. So one of my like, coolest posts, and I really like, this is like a lot of people that are listening to this, I guarantee will be fitness people, and, or people that are interested in, in their fitness. Your brother and you. You posted something about, uh, you know, you're thick, your brother's thin, yeah. he's, the, he's the gymnast, you're the power lifter. Like, 
I, people come in here and they're like, hey, I want to look like you or I want to look like this actor. Let's speak about that. So you guys are both very fit guys, both like, you know, it's very hard to have that balance across all fitness, yeah. you know, uh, of the pillars. But let's talk about that. Like if somebody just wants like to be Bobby Tran, like you, it's, it's just hard, hard to have like that thick body. Let's talk about you're way more versed than Casey and I are on this. Like, let's talk about that. Like you know, working with what you got and making the best of what you got rather than trying to be something else Yeah. in terms I mean, of body and aesthetics. For my brother and I, ever since we were kids, we, we ate exactly the same. Um, we, my, my wife and I were actually looking at my son today and we're like, where the hell, how does he look like that? Cause we're, we're both short, stocky and thick and he's turning into this like bean pole and he's got these long legs. I'm like, where did he get that physique? And we were talking about like me compared to my brother. My brother is more lanky. He's always been very, very lean. Um, when I was five, I think I had seven or eight rolls in the chamber. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't have been more more opposite. And we ate exactly the same. We had the same breakfast, the same lunch, the same dinner. Um, and he just was always thinner than I was. And and I remember. It must have been in, in grade school, in high school, like early high school. Um, my brother just always had abs, you know? And like, as a teen, that's like all you want, right? Guys, at that time, like you're in your house doing thousands of sit-ups, trying to get abs to impress the girls. And my brother always had abs and I, I could never get them. I couldn't understand it. And it wasn't until I got into fitness seriously, like in my university days where I started looking at, okay, nutrition, looking at how to build muscle properly, um, how to progress my programs from, from lifting to give myself the stimulus to order my body to grow. You know, all of those little pieces started coming together and it's just been a long process. So when someone says to me, you know, how do I, how do I, I just want to get to your size or I want to, I want to do what you do. I tell them to buckle down for the next decade because it took me 10 years yes. to get here, you know. Um, this is that one. Yeah, Everybody pay attention. It takes, Ten years, man. Like, I, it takes I get, time. I get asked that question all the time. People be like, what kind of program can you put me on? I'm like, well, are you ready for the marathon? Like, this is, I'll talk to you in, in a decade because it's yeah. going to take that long. It's more I mean, it's than just, that 20-day program. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and it's just consistent, right? Like, I can count on, on one hand the amount of days that I've, I've voluntarily missed the gym. You know, there have been instances if I if I was sick or something and I had to miss the gym, whatever, if I had an injury, I had to miss a gym, but voluntarily choosing not to go to the gym, I could probably count on one hand ever since 12, 13 yeah. years ago. Same you man. Know? Same. Like I need that hour of physical activity every single day. And if I don't get it, it's almost like I don't feel good if I don't get it, mm. you know, but I've been doing that for 10, 12 years. Um, and so when people ask me, like, how long does it take to put on muscle? How long does it take to gain weight? I always tell them, it took me 10 years to put on 30 pounds. And that's no word of a lie. 10 years of putting on muscle, putting on fat, cutting back down in the summertime, and then doing that over and over and over again. And the longer you've been in you know, the, the fitness industry, the longer you've been working out, and your fitness age, not like your chronological age, but your fitness age, the more looks that your body has gotten from squatting, deadlifting, benching, and all that stuff, the harder it gets to put on muscle, right? If I'm at my ceiling and I'm, I'm as strong as I can possibly be, 
you have to start manipulating so many other var variables other than just adding weight, right? I can only yeah. add weight for so long. Um, and I feel like, especially with me now, lifting as long as I've been lifting, I'm at that ceiling, right? Yeah, man, when you PR, it's like a pound. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's the, the, those five pound, they 10 pound PRs yeah. don't come off. No. And it's some, yeah. But it's usually in a movement that you don't really do very often, and, right? Like, and, and some of those, those movements at the same time, it's like I have focused six months I've dedicated yeah. it to that movement. Into right? those few pounds of a exactly, PR. Exactly. And so you get to a point where, like, the point where I'm at right now where I look at all the lifts that I've done and I look at the numbers that I've been able to accomplish and where I want to be from this point, it's a risk-to-reward thing, you know? It's like if I want to be able to snatch 300 pounds, I have to dedicate the next two years to just snatching and nothing else. I have to put my cardio and my aerobic capacity, you know, on the back burner. I have to put my yeah. gymnastics on the back burner because that's what it takes. And um, it, it yeah. is finding that balance with everything. Like one thing, like in my experience is like with sports, like when I played football, I was probably 20 pounds more than I am now, mm. right? I could bench a little bit more. I could squat a little bit more. I could actually probably, I could deadlift more now. But <laughs> during that time is I needed that extra 20 pounds for you know, protection on the field. Yeah. But with that 20 pounds is I don't have the aesthetic look that I have now, yeah. right? So it's like people want both sometimes where it's like in order to get that aesthetic look, sometimes at least at the start, you're gonna have to cut down on one of these. You're gonna lose a bit of that weight in your, you know, your presses and your squats, but eventually you can build back up to it or vice versa. If you wanna put 30 pounds on your bench press, you're gonna look a little thick <laughs> going through the summer months, right? It's just, yeah. it's you have to be able to balance these few things. Yeah, yeah. And now at the age of, you know, 41, when I we finish up a strength program, like, a, you, know, you know, going up for one of Jason's competitions to deadlift. I mean, at the end of everyone, I feel like that old, uh, you know, the old man football player, or like, you know, like the, the basketball player at the end of his career. Yeah. I get my lift, I hit that PR, I got that joy. Yeah. And then that night, or the next day, and I get out of the car on the drive home, and I'm like, I think this is my last kick at the can, man. Like, like when you sit down, like at the point, you know, like not that we're these like amazing lifters, but you know, we do pretty good. And you like, you're thinking like, man, I want to put a five pounds in my deadlift right now. Yeah. And you know what you got to do to get there. It is, it's a mind fuck, man. And then when you get there at the end, you're like happy and elated, and then you just think like. I don't think I'm going to do that again. And then, you know, six months passes and, you know, you guys start to talk yeah. and then I watch you guys are getting stronger and the, the young lions coming closer. You brought that bench press number up a little bit the other day too. It's upsetting me. So I want to keep that difference, you know, and then that kind of, you know, and you know, it's important to always have a, a young lion, I guess, chasing you. It's, I mean, it's a difficult balance, right? Like part of that, part of that, chase is what keeps us in the gym yes you know like it keeps you fighting man yeah and and part of it is training for so long to the point where like you failed this number multiple times yes because the day that you hit that number it's That's like great. it's the best fucking high that you could get yeah. you know like one of my i've been trying to snatch 275 pounds for the longest time longest time like i spent two years where i i maybe moved the needle five pounds you know and just when things are feeling good and you go to attempt it and the, the weight just buries you and you, you come back six months later to try it again. But the moment that you get it, um, 
that's like you're just on cloud nine and it's hard it's hard to explain to people that don't get the same satisfaction from being able to do something like that you know if i tell 50 year old karen like hey let's let's put 10 pounds on your squat like you'll feel awesome she probably doesn't give a shit she's <laughs> yeah. like i just want to come in i just want to sweat like i don't care about lifting x y and z i don't care about learning how to snatch or squatting or deadlifting but for a certain avatar like people like us we love chasing those numbers because we know how much work it took to get there you know when you see half thor what do you deadlift a thousand and thirty one pounds insane man it, it puts that into perspective you're like man i've only deadlifted six how the fuck did he do yeah over a thousand that's yeah. insane right and it makes you appreciate like the other freak athletes out there in the world right because you know how hard you've worked to get to your numbers and then you've got these other monsters in the world that, just, that warm up with your <laughs> your prs you know and yeah it is crazy the strength world when you go to an actual like strength event like seeing that what was uh the big dude there with the bench press oh my god td smash oh like it's it's just crazy it just humbles you and like especially when you bring up a crew from your gym and you're the strongest guy they've ever met and then this guy like doubles your bench press yeah. triples your bench for press three. doubles your deadlift and yeah triples it, it for three reps <laughs> but, just shut you down yeah i mean this is a this got me ready to flip the table of bench press yeah, right now that, this, is, this, is what, this is what happened it's like we yeah. start talking but like so you know colby i know you yeah, mentioned yeah. you work with colby's dad so colby and i had this conversation the other day we we're like you know what when when this COVID shit is done and we can go back to the gym like we should be more well-rounded like yeah like this is this has been a great time for us to really examine what we've been doing and like try and find more balance you know because we're both weightlifting junkies we love all the olympic lifting right and we were talking and we we're like yeah like we should if we only olympic lift like maybe once or twice a week instead of every day it's not necessary we're not going to the olympics but i'm looking at him and he's like man i just really want to so we really want to clean your 400 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, as we uh, were like, you know what? Let's just do the body weight all the time with the, with yeah. the members here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're, bench, we're bench pressing and deadlifting. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, you can't take the meathead out of the gym. Man. No. Exactly. But I think that's good, though. Like, I think it comes kind of not, I guess, full circle a little bit in the way we talked about athletics and sports and finding, especially a lot of athletes, finding that identity. Yeah. And it's like, it's things as simple as hitting a PR right or even like again back to personal example is like i might be 20 pounds lighter but in my like new body kind of thing to match the weights that i hit when i was 195 pounds yep. that's more exciting to me than when i was at that weight you know so it's like you're you're out of the sport but you still have that like it's the same feeling as you know throwing a touchdown yeah. when you are yeah. in a in a gym filled with you know 40 strangers yes and you hit that pr like it yeah. still gives you that sense of pride and accomplishment 100 let's take a second there let's fill up our drinks uh, i promise all you guys who are watching and listening we're going to talk about some business stuff some strategy stuff uh but we had to get the meathead stuff out of the way so top of those drinks let's uh, let's uh, plug colby why not hey yeah. like so he's got what is it? it's colby so i know my wife went there she raved about him it's just a little bit far for us but yeah, the brogal clinic he's an osteopath through lifting and stuff um We've connected through that, which is why I love a lot about, a lot about what we do is 
you're surrounded by like-minded people all the time, right? Like situations like this where I come together with you guys and, and discuss these topics, it's because we're interested in a lot of the same shit. Yeah, so Colby, you're there, you're, man. That's a, not a paid sponsorship. That's just a we believe in you sponsorship. But the paid sponsorship, well, kind of, is our friends at Axel Films. I know uh, you you know these guys. We yeah. did, like, if you guys know, uh, maybe you can plug Bobby there uh, for us. Josh, throw, throw Bobby up in his wig and throw me staring him down. Uh, they've produced, like, some amazing things. If you're looking for marketing or campaigns for brands, these guys are the guys. Uh, create a video. We know it's, like, one of the biggest things that you could do on social media right now. These guys have worked for us. They've done all the charity events that we've worked on. Uh, they've also worked for the Toronto Raptors. They're super motivated guys. They're good guys. They stand behind us in everything that we do. And they're just concerned about, you know, building your business, your brand, and putting their, uh, their touch and their unique flair on it. So if you're looking for anything from their, you know, in-house strategy, concepts, writing, producing, capturing, editing your final branded video, just go visit Axel Films. They're an all-in-one video production company and tell them that Tango One sent you or uh, what we call you from that video? Uh, uh, <laughs> my Little Pony or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to live that down. All right, so we're going to get back into this. I would just, just to wrap that up, the reason I asked you about you and your brother is because I'm going to have to have this conversation with my sons, yeah. uh, Colton and Braun. Colton is like a beanpole, but he's ripped, ripped, ripped. And Braun is jacked and can probably already bench press like 50 pounds. So I'm going to have to explain this thing to them one day. I'm going to bring that and show them that post that you made of you and your brother and eating potato chips. Man, I think like... I'm really proud of us and the network that we've created. This like new like the great army. I know you're a Vikings fan and so am I. We we've created we went from the garage gym army and the the workhorses and all these other gyms and communities and we'll talk about some of those guys to this like great army. And I think like a lot of the gyms that are involved in this great army, like John Mack, Luis, Sawyer, and that's just naming a few, uh, Mike, you know. Uh, Mackenzie, there's just so many, there's so many. We could, there's a list of like 12, 15 of us in this Windsor, Essex County community that instead of competing, we are working together. And I think that just shows that we are here for a greater purpose than making a dollar. And I think it also is one of the reasons that I think every gym on that list is going to survive this whole COVID uh, shutdown. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we're going to survive because we've laid a footprint in our community and it's not a bullshit footprint. It's like legitimate connections, relationships. And I know that's something you're really passionate about. So, you know, what's something that you've learned or, you know, that anything that you have to offer? Cause I really think like if you're listening and you run, whether you're the head of your family, you're running a business, a gym or a SWAT team, I think laying the footprint for your community and your culture is everything. What do you got to offer on that? It's like something, like give these guys something to, you know, to take home and to action on. So, I mean, I think when it, when it comes down to it, you have to look at as, a, as an individual and also as, as a brand, right? What your core values stand for. So if I were to ask someone like, what is your business about? If you could list off three things that your business was about. For us, community is, is at the very top. Right, so using this COVID example, um, when our gyms got mandated to shut down, the first thing that was on my mind was like, A, how, how do I take care of my coaches, right? Whereas other people might have said, well, all of you guys are now laid off, right? My first thought was how do I keep my coaches paid in a time where we can't put people inside the gym and they can't do classes? Two was how do I take care of my people? 
right? So our, I didn't even think twice about it, dude. I just like, as soon as I found out that Good Life was gonna shut down, we went to Finer Fitness and we were like, let's buy a dumbbell for every single member to take home. So I know that at least we can program for everyone based on the dumbbell that they have, right? That's my mindset. I'm not thinking about like, how do I make a dollar during COVID? I'm thinking, how do I keep all these people from slipping through the cracks? Right, because a leader thinks about how they can serve right how you can provide exactly that's and what that's what you're doing man that's that's amazing your, your community is only as strong as as the action steps that you as a leader are willing to take you know i didn't know what was going to happen after the first month I didn't sorry know my ptsd you. that the motorcycle <laughs> rev that thought we were getting raided <laughs> go ahead <laughs> um, yeah no i just i didn't know what was going to happen after the first month but i knew that like uh from a physical standpoint I didn't want all the hard work that all these people have been putting in to go to waste. And and the longer this thing stretches out, obviously you guys know it's not about the physical capacity, it becomes more about the mental capacity, right? People are stuck inside their homes, they can't go and see their loved ones, their outlet that was the gym is now taken away from them. It's like, how do I supplement these people with what they need to keep them from you know going down a dark path? Um, but community's always been a big thing for us and our branding, and, you know, is just always keeping our our clients first, uh, really taking the time to like listen to what they want and what they need and building our business model around that. Yeah, man, I, 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 I don't think I could agree with you more on everything you just said, like thinking about one, your team, like, you know, you're thinking, and if you're a dad listening, like you're thinking about your wife, your kids, then you're thinking about your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, right? And like, and it just keeps spreading out there. And then if you, if you're thinking about them, I guarantee they're thinking about you. And I think that's why so many of our members have stayed, you know, very loyal and you know, almost, almost so much where you feel bad a little bit because they want to support you so much, even though you know that they're they're struggling with some stuff. And I think that was really underestimated with a lot of places was how bad we needed to get up and running online or however every gym is doing it but for you and i that was online that was through all kinds of videos and just to give them that normal seat because yeah. it was a time of, it was a time it's it's really calmed down but like at first it was it was overwhelming for a it lot was, of people it was definitely overwhelming but i think i guess maybe being on the outside of things like towards you guys is like both of you have done such a fantastic job in the way of creating that community over the past few years um and now you have people a working for you and be a part of your gym that want to listen to you and want to help you and be a part of that like i know with our staff it was almost like when this happened it was like what do we do in the way of i know for tony and danny it's almost like more difficult for them because this is their business this is their life yeah. this is what they've dedicated to do and whether like that's difficult to take the emotion out of it where as employees it's like shit we got to do what we can to keep this going so where our strategy was you know once it was you know we got the call this is shutting down let's implement the next step let's go to online and let's figure that out without skipping a beat and i know you guys did the exact same thing but creating that foot that footprint that you're talking about and creating that community now you also have people that you've been so great to in the way of changing their lives in the gym they also want to stick with you they look at you for answers right now because you know you might be that figurehead in their life that they look to 
And now when you have these answers and you have these solutions and these one hour escapes, even if it is a hour body weight workout, they're so grateful for that, right? Yeah, I don't know if you guys felt this, but like when we, when we finally closed our doors and we, we realized that this was going on longer than two weeks, um, I think there was a sense of, of fear that basically struck across the entire fitness industry, right? Because we essentially make our money off of getting people in our doors. Um, and a lot of people. And a lot of people. But in that part, sweaty people. Part of that kind of excited me. You know, like the whole idea of like this, like apocalyptic time, it kind of it got me revved up because like for the longest time, like when you've been in business long enough, you kind of get into these modes of of coasting where like things get are good. Got in that groove a little. Yeah, bit. you get in a groove, you get comfortable, and then all of a sudden something like a pandemic strikes, and it literally. It, what I liked about it is it put all of us on the same playing field, right? Like, it didn't matter if you're a franchise, a studio, a small mom and pop shop, or you're like a big box gym. We were all on the same playing field for the first time, you know? For the first time ever, we were all playing equally. And at that point, I'm like, well, if we're all playing equally, like the first person that takes that step or that makes the action um, and commits, they're going to be Yeah, there. man. Throw the yeah. first punch. Exactly. And, and I think both of our gyms were able to pivot our business in a way that we could continue things as smoothly as possible instead of sitting there and, and waiting. You yeah. Know? Because that was my, my biggest thing. If I'm gonna do something, I'm, I'm going all in. You know, like I didn't come all this way to only get this far, you know? Yeah. Like especially for you guys opening up a second location, like things are going well, things are growing. I know we had talked and you were like, I was about to do X, Y, and Z. I had all these plans for all of it to just flick of a switch, it all turns off, right? Like I didn't come this far when come this far. Like I'm not laying on my back and waiting for the government to come in and help me off the canvas. Like we have to fucking do something. Yeah, hell yeah, man. And hell I remember yeah. like the first meeting we had with our staff, I'm like, you guys have been with me long enough that you know the power of, of what we have here. You know, like you understand what our brand stands for and you understand that we're not just here to make a buck, but you guys are here to change people's lives. And if that's something that you jive with, then I need you guys right now. Like you're gonna work more hours than you want to or that you can get paid for. But understand that the work and all the, the trench work that we're doing right now is setting us up for a future down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you guys, and I told him, like, if you guys want out right now, now's the time to tell me. But if you're going to ride with me, like, like, fucking buckle up. Because I don't know how long this is going, but we're going to have to do everything in our power to keep this thing going. Like, I'm not going down. Like, I refuse. You know, we've been way too fucking long for a quarantine to come in and shut down my operation. Yes, man. And you know what? Like, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'll tell you, like at one point on the tag team, we were rolling, man. Like I'm telling you, we were doing raid after raid, two to three raids a day, it felt like, week after week. And we were such a fucking well-oiled machine that nothing bothered us, nothing bothered us. And then one day we go in and we miss somebody. So my job was to make sure, imagine this room, my job is to come in, we're the muscle, we make sure we lock everybody down and this is the safe environment for now, you the detective to come in and do the investigation. I don't do investigation, we're just there to like get rid of the bodies. Yeah. And you know, we do one and smooth sailing, man, all right, buckle up, or, or not, like, let's go, saddle up, everybody get in the van, we're out of here. And get a phone call like, hey, there was somebody hiding in the closet. 
and I remember that like sickness in my my stomach and that was similar to what I felt you know the day that I decided to close this gym yeah. and you know watching and you know what and looking through Instagram and watching you and John and all these other people that I, I truly respect in this industry closing up and that moment though I'm telling you that team never missed another fucking body in the closet again and it I hope to God it never will because the lesson I learned there almost 20 years ago and that's something that you and I and every other gym and every other industry and every other person should be taken away from this is like we will not be caught we might be caught by something else yeah we're not gonna be caught by that again yeah. and yeah there's no way we're going down so like branding branding you keep saying branding I think the reason why you know Bobby the workhorse Tran has a great brand in the city of Windsor and now expanding beyond into Detroit I see that you're doing stuff you know with Lulu you're doing stuff North America Canada whatever it is yeah. it's I think it's because you call it a brand but it's not it's you and that is the same thing that I think I'm working on. I think that's where people really get wrong on branding is branding is built from your core values yeah. like you mentioned and it's built from the core values that you didn't make up the core values that are in you so let's talk about that so there is a lot of CrossFit gyms at one point and I think they're great CrossFit I don't really know though the other one I know John Mack very well but there's three CrossFit gyms and at one point within two kilometers from each other and this isn't talking about the other gyms, it's talking about you. How do you separate yourself from that? And how do you separate separate yourself from me and from every other fitness guy? Like, we're all trying to separate ourselves in a way. We're, yeah. we're friends and we're we're working together, but we're all trying to separate ourselves in a way. So how, what do you think the best way to do that is for your business or your own personal brand? Honestly, like the longer I've been in this business, I realize that there, there are trends that come in waves, right? So, you know, you had your trend of bodybuilding, you had your trend of functional fitness and for a long time like Ironman like athletes that train Ironman were regarded as the fittest athletes in the world I think when you have these trends it's easy as a business owner to want to latch on to whatever is hot at the moment you know like if CrossFit is really you know popping off and, and you have CrossFit boxes jumping all over the place it's easy to be like I'm going to open up my own CrossFit box I'm going to affiliate I'm going to do what these guys are doing because I want to make money and on the same token like it could be anything. It, like when P90X first came out, if you guys remember P90X, yeah, yeah. everybody was on P90X. That's, that was the pull-up work that I've ever done. No, I'll give them that. P90X abs, remember that? <laughs> Everyone just skipped everything else. Still you got them. Skip, you skipped the yoga and you went right to, to the abs. Yeah, there was a yoga video. the fuck they called it. Um, but it was hot at the moment and everybody was on it. And then that wave died, right? Like there's not a lot of, of things in the fitness industry that, that remain sustainable sustainable all the time things come and go in waves and so for me branding and, and staying true to like who you are and who you, what your values are is is not trying to imitate or not trying to mimic what everybody else is doing right so if like you truly believe that x y and z is what you guys are about it's your bread and butter that you have to stick to that all the, obviously you're going to make adjustments here and there right but if i see this company over here doing something and it's it's going really well for them i would never think well i'm i'm going to start offering those classes right like if if someone's doing boxing classes in their crossfit gym and we're, we don't do that and i see that idea come up and i'm like well i'm going to go buy some heavy bags and i'm going to throw them in the rig it, it creates a lot of um confusion with what you're about right and 
And I think sticking to what you feel is important, what your brand is about, and not latching on to whatever's hot at the moment is the best part to really separate yourself from everybody else. And I've always, when people ask, because people ask me this question all the time, having you know three boxes in the city and multiple boxes in the province, the question's always like, okay, what's the difference between like your box and so-and-so's box, you know? And it's, it's funny, because I always, I always refer to this from like a, a family status uh, point of view. So you have some boxes that are old school. They're like the grandpa of the family. They're militant, old school. So when you walk into that box, it's like, you do exactly what I say. You show up at four o'clock, and then you get your ass out at five, because the next class is rolling in. Our gym doesn't work that way. If you come in at four o'clock and you want to hang out till seven, as long as you're not interrupting anybody in the next class, I don't give a shit. You can stay as long as you want. You know, you're paying a membership. You can stay here as long as you want. So you we have, want you to stay as long it, as you want. Exactly. But you know? We want you guys to feel like this is a space Absolutely. where you can come and, you know, you, you hit two birds with one stone. You can get your fitness in, but you can also socialize. All my closest friends come from this environment, you know? Um, so you kind of have like the, the grandpa of the boxes and some boxes follow that model, whatever headquarters says, that's the word of God. You follow it to a T and we've never been that way. You know, we had bench press for the longest time <laughs> in all of our, in all of our wads and we got scrutinized a lot. We were kind of like the black sheep of CrossFit box. People were like, that's not functional. Uh, we were like, well, we don't care. We love the bench press. Yeah. So we're going to keep doing bench press. Um, and then you have like the Nona of the CrossFit boxes where they, they're not militant. They just want everyone to feel good. They want you to feel good. They want Casey to feel good. We want to make sure everyone's belly's full and everyone's happy. But you're not really, you're not really speaking to one person. You're just like, I want everyone to eat. You're there to please. No you're, exactly. What. You're just there to please people. Our box, I, I always explain, our box is always like that fun uncle. It's the one that like, when he shows up, that he always brings fireworks, and you never know if he's gonna show up or if he's like, locked up in jail. He's just like he's just, he's gonna, he's just there. He's gonna pass out in the backyard. Yeah, he's there for a good time, but he's also he's the one that goes against the grain, right? He doesn't have to follow status quo. He does whatever he wants and whatever he feels is best for the people that's around him, and that's always been our box. Like we, if there's ever been anything that CrossFit has deemed like this is the way that it should be we take a look at that and we say like, is it what we agree with and if it's not then we we don't use it we get rid of it you know we always that's always been our theories like if it works we'll keep it and if it doesn't we'll scrap it we're not going to do something just because someone else says you should do x y and z um, and i think that's a huge part with branding is that when you're trying to become your own entity in a sea of gyms like i mean even in windsor itself like how many gyms do we have within 30 kilometer radius you know and i mean it's evident we had uh, 13 gyms jump in on the exactly. and there were some i had never met the people like this they're, is a pretty small they're, area they're, they're everywhere but like and that's the thing too is like when we first started as a business we wanted to try and please everyone we wanted to say like crossfit is for everybody but the truth of the matter is like we're not for everybody i would never say that again um if I had a potential client come up to me and we sat down and we talked, I would very readily be able to tell if they would fit within our culture or not. And if they didn't, I didn't try and save them. You know, whereas in the past, in my first, second year of business, it's, it was like, let's yeah. try and save everybody. Everybody that comes in the door, like, this is a potential membership, like, we gotta keep them. No. Yeah. Because like the people that I want are the people that want to be here. If you don't want to be here, I don't wanna force your hand, you don't need to be here. You've got 
30 fucking gyms that you could choose from. There's got to be one that's going to fit yep. you better than this place, you know? And that's been the the mentality for the longest time. It's like our, our core group of people and our core group of clientele, we are so tight because every single person wants to be a part of what we are. You know, I don't, I don't force people into memberships and like, oh, I'm sorry, like you have six months left on your contract, you have to stay. If you don't want to stay, you can leave, you know? There's policies, but I don't want to force your hand. I don't want to keep you here if you don't want to be here. Yeah. Because, you know, when that person leaves, what's going to happen? They're going to go down the street. They're going to end up at a restaurant talking to someone. They're going to talk about, oh, I used to go to this place. They were fucking terrible. They locked me into X, Y, and D and wouldn't let me leave, you know? Like, for me, it's just, we. I almost at the point where I don't even want to have memberships anymore on a contract. I just want to say, this is our price. If you love it, this is what it costs, you know, to be a part of the club. And if you don't love it, totally fine. Totally yeah, cool. I think that comes with experience. Like, I think the, uh, you hit on some, like, huge factors there is, like, one, uh, I know one of my biggest mistakes, and I, I'll admit this to you, is like following you guys. Like I would watch you guys, and I would watch John Mack, and like, well, I'm not even CrossFit gym, and it would, I would, it would let me affect. It would affect the way I was operating my business, and like you know, I had to be, I had to like button down, I had to mute you guys for a while, and just be like, this is the intelligent way to do my business. It has nothing to do with how they run their business, yeah. and to like, and not not be spiteful of other people's successes. You have to like just be like. Good job. I'm glad Bobby's doing that. I'm glad John's doing that. I'm glad Luis is doing that. And best of luck to them. This is what we're going to do. And and that other part of like, we don't chase it. You know, you just don't chase it anymore. Like, you know, I get the, I'll get the email from Nikki like, hey, so-and-so wants this or so-and-so, you know, only wants to pay this. Okay. Let them go. Yeah. Let them go. Like, I appreciate them giving us the opportunity. We're not the place for them. Yeah. Or, you know what? There's a... There's times where people come in here and they've either done CrossFit or want to do CrossFit. And you know what? I'm like, this is what we do here. There's a lot of similarities, but we don't do this, this, and this. And, you know, try so. And if after, you know, two, three months are still saying that or it's, yeah. it's just super comfortable to just say like, hey, listen, we don't do that here. <laughs> We're incapable of doing that here. I don't even know how to teach it. Yeah. But like, we just don't do it here. It's Go, creating. this is, here's a great coach. Yeah. Go see. I, I, I've sent you a client that's somebody who would really want to do some Olympic lifting, and you know it's like, well, I don't do that here. Like so, but this guy does. Yeah. Talk to him, and there's there's a lot of not that there's plenty of fish in the sea because like, and our members don't feel like they're fish, and that's the other thing too. Yeah. And you talk about the pride and all that. Like, we say we don't want you to charge. I don't want you like if somebody's family's down from Toronto for the weekend, they're never gonna be a member here. Let's yeah. be realistic. Do I want the $20 from the lady that's been here for four years? This is mom, you know, sister or cousin? No, like I want, you know, Phil to come in here and say like, this is my gym. I want you to experience that. That means you're doing something awesome, 100%. right? It's creating that authenticity and like sticking to your values. Like I think that's like where you're going is like there's people who want to cater to everyone and they're, they're not their own identity. Like yeah. sticking to your values, people like the fish in the sea, or there's enough people to an extent to go around to everybody and to find that niche that they're a part of. If you keep trying to adapt to all these different areas, you're gonna piss your original members off and then nobody knows where you stand because you're yeah, always yeah. changing things up. It's like, yeah. find out who you are, what are your values, and now 
if people want to be a part of that and people do fit those values, they're going to be a part of your gym or part they, of your business. They say, right? They say when you try and please everybody, you don't please anybody. Right? Yeah. When you're you're trying to appease multiple, like obviously we're we're doing functional fitness in a general population group setting. The the idea of it is is awesome, right? But obviously you guys know you're going to have people that come in that have different goals. Exactly. Some people might want to do bro fit type stuff and they want to get the pump and other people don't want that and other people want to learn how to do muscle ups and other people don't want that um, and it's hard to to please everyone because it affects everything right down to the logistics right like how do you guys run a class who coaches what class do we have to send our coaches away to learn how to teach bar muscle ups when I have only one guy in my community that wants to do bar muscle ups right you know um, right. it changes everything so when you when you know what you stand for, what you represent, and the goal overall that your gym is trying to accomplish, it's easy to say, you know, our gym's not not right for you, or this gym would be a better fit for what you want to do. Right. I think you said something too that I want to like hit as we start to wrap this thing up was, um, you look at fitness trends. So you go on a course, and you know we pay some money and get some good trainers in here. You know. Uh, with the muscle dog, your your yep. friend is Jordan. He's yeah, like Jordy. comes in here, you know, and like as intelligent as that guy is, like I want to preface this always. We got somebody coming in here, and they are a savant in what they do. However, we're gonna take some of it, yeah. none of it, or all of it. We're gonna evaluate it, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that it fits what we do, and, and it, we took a ton of it from Jordan. So yeah. he's just a person I'm using as like a, you know as a, a reference but like that's that was the same thing in SWAT we're gonna go learn how Toronto does it I'm gonna go learn how Peel does it I'm gonna go learn how you know Detroit does it and we're gonna take some of it none of it or all of it yeah. and either way either way we've learned something that we don't want to do learn something that we want to do a little bit or something we want to completely involve ourselves in and I think that's a huge a huge like it's, it's about confidence and I think and I, and I think it's also like the willingness to shift because I guarantee that your programming doesn't look the same that it did five years ago. Doesn't look probably the same it did you know six months ago, yeah. and it won't look the same when we reopen. And that's like I really want to hit home. And nothing you do in life, like we talk a lot about fitness today, because a couple gym owners, uh, awesome trainer, but it, this all applies to whatever you're doing in life. Like never settle, but don't feel like you got to go same way as everybody else man so i really love having you here today man i i know casey loved having you here and uh thank you for coming and having a couple of drinks with us i, I don't think we're done we got thank you we got some conversations to happen about some maybe some avenger things we might be doing who knows <laughs> but uh tell everybody like how do we reach you somebody's interested in crossfit uh workhorse lifestyle how yeah, do they get out to you or you know just bobby train in general because i know you do some things that are outside or tell if there's anything outside of what you're doing in the gym tell us about it right now this is your opportunity so if you guys want to follow us on instagram it's crossfit whl um, that's kind of our hub for everything that is my gym uh, if you guys just want weightlifting stuff you guys really like olympic lifting i haven't posted anything in the past six weeks because of our our situation but uh the barbell baptism is my handle on instagram for that and yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm pretty much glued to my phone. So if you DM me on Instagram or you send me a message through Facebook, um, I'm willing to help whatever you, whatever you guys got. Uh, we do CrossFit, we do functional fitness, obviously, uh, but we also work with a lot of rehab patients as well. So if you know someone who's been in a car accident, who's trying to get out of pain, um, that's been a huge shift in, in where our business has headed and also anyone that needs nutritional help. So since COVID 
uh, shut down all of our barbells and, and our, our rig and our equipment, we've kind of turned our head towards nutrition and accountability. So if anyone's out there that needs help in that, that aspect, uh, send me a DM. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming today, Bobby. And I'm, this will not be the last time you're on the podcast. But next time we're going to talk about even more of life's, life's uh, <laughs> situations. It was awesome to talk about some of the, like, a little bit, some like, you know, some hot topics today, I think. Yeah, and man, uh, it was good to get into that. So cheers to that. Cheers, boys. Cheers. cheers.